Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question. So what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big and ultimately how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. During this episode, I sat down and had a conversation with Jules Sebastian, and she is just an absolutely delightful human being, a down-to-earth Aussie, and I think I kind of fell in love with her a little bit from this conversation. To give you a bit of background, Jules is a stylist and a stylist to the stars. She's been on MTV and is currently the stylist to Mel B, who's one of the judges on The X Factor. She's a founder of the Sebastian Foundation and hosts a YouTube channel called Tea with Jules. She's also the wife of Guy Sebastian, who was the first Australian Idol winner back in 2003. They have two young boys who are absolute hurricanes and add to the chaos and the delight that is part of Jules's life. Throughout our conversation, Jules spoke about the pressure and the overwhelm of being busy, of self-doubt, and all of those pressures that each of us feel from time to time. But she shared with us how this year has been different and why it's been different. And part of it is she gave herself permission to stop, to pause, and to get clear on what really mattered to her. She spoke and shared some really great tips on what it means for her personally to live a standout life. And these are tips that are actually really relevant to all of us. So it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what kind of pressures you're dealing with. I know you're going to get a lot out of our conversation. So please sit back and relax and enjoy this podcast with Jules Sebastian. Jules Sebastian, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Great to have you here. Look, I'm going to start by throwing a couple of things at you and you can tell me whether they're true or false or expand on them or not. Oh, no. Okay, sure. You're from Adelaide? Correct. Did you grow up in Adelaide? I did, yep. Born and raised. Country girl. Country girl from Adelaide, (laughs) all the way from South Australia. All the way from down south. Yes, that is true. Yeah, Um, And I've been in Sydney for 10 years now. Okay. Going on 11, actually. Right. Yeah. So new home. Yeah. New space. Yeah. And you've got two boys, Archie and Hudson. Yes. How old are they again? Hudson's four and Archie's two. Well, two and a half and four and a half. Right. Fun. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> there are moments doing. of fun and there are moments of crazy and all of it in between. But yeah. yeah they're awesome. They're, they're so cute. And you've been on MTV Style Me in 2014. You were on the Channel 7 Bringing Sexy Back as their style advisor. Yes, correct? you know all the things. I've read all the things. <laughs> and the little Instagram birdie tells me it was your birthday this week. Oh, yes, Is it that was. right? Yes, oh. I turned 21 Happy birthday. again. Again, how yeah. good is it? It's good when you practice. I've been practising for quite a while, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good. Yeah, my, I'm going to start, um, you know, going 20, 19, 18, and then probably oh, yeah. work my way back up from there. So Fair enough. Go back yeah. and trial, trial a few more. <laughs> 19 was actually my favourite age, so... Why was I'd that? Like to go back. I think it was like, when you're 19, you don't have to fully be a responsible adult quite yet. Mm. Do you know, even though you are an adult, you can sort of still not 
take responsibility for everything in yeah. your life. Um, so you can still have the fun without all of the responsibility. You're still kind of growing up. Yeah. So I just had a good time. So you can 19. drive and you've got a, a job, but you don't actually have to take any responsibility. Yeah. What were you doing at 19? Um, living in Adelaide in the yeah. country. <laughs> um, what was I doing? That's a really good question. I went, actually went, here's a fun fact. Mm. Oh no, now I'm embarrassed. Um, I went to university after I finished school. So I finished school when I was 18, so I'd been 19 when I was in uni. And um, I studied music, actually, jazz singing. There you go. So you can sing. Not you're, well. Yeah. Well, look, it's always uh-huh. questionable when you're married to a singer yeah. and a very good singer. Um, I always feel like you say you're a singer. Look. I'm nowhere near as good as as Guy will ever, like, is. Yeah. Um, but I did get into university, into the conservatorium, so well, I must have been decent. Don't know if it makes you feel better, but you're definitely the best singer in this studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's killing it. So what made you go into jazz singing at the time? Well, I I was really into singing and music and I loved it growing up and I grew up in church, so, you know, that. that you really are surrounded by music and if you're into it, then you get involved. And I sang a lot um, at church and we we had the opportunity to like, you know, do recordings and go on little tours and stuff like that. So I sang a lot and at school I sang a lot. Um, I did music at school and I did pretty well at it. So I don't know, it just, it was kind of the thing that I really was into at that point. Um, being more of a creative kid, I suppose, there's not a lot of options like back then <laughs> for studying um, creative kind of fields or whatever. And the options for music was jazz or um, classical. Right. And I was no classical yep. student. I was going to ask you why jazz, but yeah. Yeah, there was, there was only two. Otherwise, I would have definitely done pop for yeah. sure. <laughs> but um, jazz was it. Um, and then after a year of that, I was just like, it actually took the fun away from music because it became study and it became something I had to do, homework, practicing all the time, like learning all these jazz kind of fancy jazz chords and it it got really kind of difficult and intricate and not fun anymore. And and I sort of thought, okay, well, this is not something that I really want to do as a job, I suppose. It's singing was more something that I wanted to do for fun. And I figured that out after a year. So, so 12 months and went, okay, that's... Yeah, my, I just wasn't having jazz fun. jazz studying, yeah. that's not it. Yeah, no. And the, and look, there were way better singers than me right. um, at uni. So I bowed out gracefully and <laughs> <laughs> that was that. And go, do you still sing in the shower? Is in the shower, shower, of course, yeah. of course. <laughs> so what did you study at uni? Did you, did you uni degree before you went into... No, that was what oh, I was Oh, that was what you were doing? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Great. Bachelor of Music in jazz. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. But and I didn't finish it. And what did you do after that? Um, after that, oh my gosh, now you're taking me back. <laughs> I think I was a little lost soul for a minute there. I I was trying to figure myself out and what I wanted to do and, you know, who I wanted to be and all of that, as we all do. Mm. Um, I want to say, I actually can't even remember. <laughs> um, I, th- I must have got a job because my mum would have been like, you're getting a job. Right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think I've probably just got a job, probably in retail, I want to say. Yeah. I had a couple of jobs in retail over life. Yep. And um, 
actually, oh my gosh, all the fun facts are coming out. Today. Yeah. You didn't so, know this was going to happen. Did I didn't you? know. <laughs> I didn't know we're delving straight into the past. Um, I think, so there was two lanes for me. There was the creative lane and the sporty lane, which is so weird now that when people meet me and they don't know like the past jewels mm. that I don't understand. But if you talk to anyone of my friends back in Adelaide when we were growing up, it makes complete sense, I suppose. Yeah. Because I loved I loved creative stuff, art and music and, you know, fashion and, and all of those kind of creative things and also sport, which I just happened to be good at. So athletics and running and netball and everything, all of the sports. Um, so that so I suppose I tried the music thing and then um, thought maybe the sport thing could work out. So I went and studied, um, like, being a personal trainer. Okay. This is so funny. <laughs> I feel like I've never talked about okay. this. It's like um, a little part of you. That's, yeah. yeah um, that's so fitness and personal training and so like aerobics and stuff like this. So, right. yeah, and then I worked in a gym for a little while um, doing that, being a personal trainer. I mean, Did you enjoy that? I loved it. I actually yeah. loved it. Um, it was so fun. Met so many great people and I was forced to do 500 sit-ups a day, so... You know, who can complain about that? Of course. My body was, was like really fit and healthy just by default, just because I was in a gym constantly. Yeah. So that was really good. That yeah, was, right. Yeah. And it was just like, it's a really fun and healthy lifestyle. So yeah, I enjoyed that part of it um, until I guess, well, when I was involved with this boy who happened to... <laughs> Um, win a competition way back in the day and um, ended up moving to Sydney. And so I sort of had to make a few decisions around my life. And actually, out of injury too, this is so okay. boring, but I got shin splints really badly right. from constantly um, kind of on the ground on a hard like concrete surface, Jumping. Yeah, teaching right. classes and that sort of thing. And so I got really severe shin splints, which whoever has had shin splints would understand. It's really painful. It's re- yeah. And really it's really painful. hard to heal because the only way you can heal it is by resting. And in that job, I couldn't really rest because I was so physical all the time. So I went to see a physio and he was like, well, the only way you're going to get better is if you just stop doing this. So it was kind of a little bit forced in the end to, to have to stop it. Um, because of that, yeah, and right. then my legs got better. So, you know that that worked. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, Bonus. yeah. Um, so then, yeah. So then, once um, kind of, I was considering the move to Sydney. Um, I was, I came here, and and I I just worked a normal job because I didn't really know anybody, and I didn't really, you know, I had I had my boyfriend at the time, guy, yeah. and um, I left all my family and friends behind, everything that I'd known and grown up with, and was familiar with was sort of behind me now and I moved to the big city and was practically starting again. Starting again. Meeting everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool to have a a clean slate, I suppose. Not that I needed a clean slate, but just to have that opportunity. But it was hard because Sydney is dog eat dog and it's it's a difficult city to live in. It's expensive. It's fast moving. You know, people kind of that grow up here kind of have their friends and their cliques and it's hard to it's hard to be in it when you've you're fresh off the boat and you you know you don't know anybody. Um, so 
uh, yeah, I just worked a full-time job in an office and um, I was part-time studying at fashion school. So this is where my whole, you know, creative sporty thing again, um, because fashion was always something that was kind of from the beginning that I was really interested in, but never really considered it. And Adelaide doesn't have, you know, a huge kind of opportunity in in that industry, um, but I knew Sydney did. And so I went to fashion school and I worked full-time and studied part-time after work and that filled up my days and made friends um, that way. Yep. So I studied design and also business and that was where I sort of um, was able to see all the, the facets of the fashion industry. So there was a really comprehensive way to learn about all the different avenues I suppose you could take in the industry and ended up um, really getting the long story here. Yeah, no, this is good. <laughs> so the, the office that I worked at was across the street from this little boutique um, in Darlinghurst and they, in the boutique, they had their shop front and then behind the shop front, they had like these sewing machines where they would make and design all the stuff that went out to the shop shop front there were these creative amazing people and because I was just there all the time my lunch break or after work whatever I'd go and visit them and, and made friends with them and they ended up kind of just taking me under their wing I suppose and um, I was like their little work experience girl when I wasn't working my full-time job um, and they would teach me they taught me everything from retail to sewing to design and everything really that kind of went along with it and there was a stylist that used to come in to their store to make pools for shoots that she worked on she she worked for Vogue and she did a lot of advertising she worked um, for Sony Music a lot with with the artists so she was kind of embedded into the industry and I met her and just got chatting and she was like oh I need I need some help I need someone to assist me on this shoot on the weekend do you want to help me and I said, all right. And so, and then literally from that day, I was like, the minute I kind of went on set and saw what she did, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Wow. Okay. So I it was love that it. instant and that visceral yeah. experience. Yeah. Wow. And I actually loved the, because being an assistant, obviously you are an assistant. So you, you, you're kind of the bottom of the rung, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're running around, running around, you're yeah. making sure that the stylist has everything they need. Sometimes you don't even make it onto set because you're stuck in a little room, uh, you know, pinning things or steaming things or getting things ready. Um, you know, it, it is it really, she really, really did take me under her wing and then eventually it sort of turned into as much as a freelance person can say they're a full-time worker because it's so kind of sporadic. Um, she took me on as her official assistant mm. and I just worked with her for almost two years while I finished my studies and um and then eventually um after just the grind mm. <laughs> getting coffees and returning things and driving around in my Daihatsu charade <laughs> <laughs> and what's that environment like because I can't imagine it's something that I mean we have we see it in the movies and that sort of stuff it's probably not something that most of us would would really know much about yeah, well, I guess, um, and enough people have said it now to know that it's not glamorous at yeah. all, and it's still not to this right. day. Um, it's hard work. It's really, it's quite physical work as well, because you're literally running around your, 
you're constantly carrying things, you know, from showrooms to, yeah. to shoots, setting up racks, steaming things, fitting things, pinning things. It's dirty work. It's actually dirty work. Yeah. And, and the personal training's coming out right, right there, isn't it? See yeah. the trends are connecting. See, there was a reason for it <laughs> That's all. Right. Um, yeah, so it's definitely not not as glamorous as it, it may it seem. Like. So what do you, and what did you love about it then? Um, I loved, I loved the creative side of it. I loved going, okay, here's the brief. This is what the concept is, whether that is your own concept or what the client has given to you. Um, and then figuring out a way to make that come to life. So it's up to you. You're the stylist, you're styling the person or people that are on the set. So it comes down to your eye and your creativity to make what the brief is into a reality. Um, So it's just, it's the hunt of the perfect whatever it is, you know, the perfect dress, the perfect colour of sequin, the perfect feather, the the whatever it is, it's kind of the thrill of the chase of of finding the the thing that's going to work the best for that shoot. And then the absolute best part, and I'm sure every stylist would say this, is is the end product because you do the hard slog and you put in such an effort to find the perfect thing, whatever mm. it is, and then you work all day, you prep, you work all day, you get the shot, and then however many months later <laughs> you see your work finished in a whether it's a magazine or you know an album cover or a shoot or whatever it is you see that finished product and you're like oh it was so worth it because it's so beautiful yeah that to me is the biggest reward is the the final kind of scene where it's all said and done and and everyone's done a great job seeing it all pulled together yeah is, is part of that because you know how much challenge has gone in I think to the work so. as well. Yeah, and I love the team effort. It is because um, it's not just about the clothes and what the person's wearing. It's about the person who's wearing it. It's about the hair, the makeup, the lighting, the photography, the you know the artwork maybe that goes into a post, um, the location. There's there's it's such a team effort when. You're, you're on a shoot and when you're working. And I actually love that. I love being around other creative minds and learning so much because you, you learn so much on a set. You learn, I've learned so much from hair people, from makeup people, from photographers about, you know, like models and angles and the right lighting and how that can actually make or break how something is resulted. Do you know, it's right. like it actually can ruin it if it's terrible lighting or if it's not a great model or they don't get it or you know if if the dress isn't working or you've got to you know figure out a way to make it look great and then there's all the people you know if it's the client that you know is kind of wanting a certain look and it's not working it's the challenge of making sure that everyone's happy like there's a lot more that goes into making someone look pretty and you know beautiful um and look a million bucks um, than just the photo. So I think yeah. you're exactly right when you see the photo and you think of all the hard work that went into it and all the people that it took to get that. It's like it's no mean feat. Yeah, and we did it. We killed yeah. it and, yeah. and pulled it off. Yep. Um, and is that still the stuff that, that you enjoy around Definitely. the work that you do? Yeah. yeah. And, I, yeah, I've just been so blessed, I suppose, in working with really great people 
like my clients are just have been either like turned out to be great friends um, or just great people that are trusting and um, into it, you know. The best kind are the ones that are just like, okay, I got this idea and I saw this photo and I saw this girl wearing this and I think that would look really cool and, you know, kind of get involved in the process of it. But on the flip side, it's also cool when someone's like, I don't care, I trust you, you do whatever you think right. is good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I a like both, both. yeah, because okay. having full control is terrifying um, but also really fun at the same time. Yeah. And But then someone who has a good idea of the style they want and how they want the end product to be is also really fun too because then it's just like, okay, you're all on the same path and you're just going for it. We're on that creative kind yeah. of ride together. Yeah. One of the things around creativity and whether you're doing it through artistic forms or fashion forms or photography or through a spreadsheet, if that's kind of your creative mm-hmm. bent, um, is that we often ride the wave of doubt and is this actually going to work? Do you experience that? Every day. <laughs> Every day. Yep, for sure. How do you deal with that or how do you address that for yourself? Um I think you just have to get over yourself. (laughs) For one, you have to know sometimes it doesn't work out. Do you know? Like sometimes you work really hard on something and it doesn't work out. It doesn't look how you thought it would or it it doesn't get the admiration you thought it would. Um, But I think you just have to be okay and know that you did your best and your best has to be good enough because you can't do more than that. You actually can't give more than your very best. And I think that's how I approach every job or any anything that I'm doing um, because styling turned into a whole bunch of other things for me too. Yeah. I just always feel like, okay, can I go to sleep tonight thinking I gave it everything and I explored every option and I went down every path to do the very best thing that I could do. If I can say that, then I can sleep at night knowing that that was that and there's nothing you can do to change it or control it because once you've done it, it's out of your hands and you just have to trust that what you've done is okay. Yeah. So I think... What can I learn? Where do we go with the next thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I've spent many years beating myself up about a whole bunch of different things. We all do. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just not, it's not productive in the end. And, and of course, there have been days where I'm like, okay, I probably could have done better. I probably could have put more of an effort in or done a better job. Um, but that's, you know, that's just down to yourself and having those honest moments and reassessing and thinking, okay, well, next time I'll I'll get my butt in gear and I'll do a better job. Yeah, and so just, it's fuel for the next Yeah, project. I think so. Yeah. Okay. So what other avenues has fashion and styling kind of taken you down? Yeah, well, so, um, and this honestly, so, so unexpected. I never, when I went into styling, I never thought it would, I thought that was that, you know, like I'm happy. I'm happy with being a stylist. That's great. Um, but then I was on a shoot. I was actually styling my husband's um, music, one of his music videos. Yep. And the production team that was working on that video um, emailed me five weeks after I had Hudson, my first baby. And they said, there's this um, MTV's doing the show where with the producers on the show. Um, it's about styling and they want an on-camera stylist to kind of go around Australia and style people that are kind of struggling with how they are dressing. Um, I was like, okay. And then like, do you want to 
can you come in and, and audition for this? And I was like, no, what do you, no, um, no. <laughs> um, what do you mean? And because I was thinking maybe they want me to style the stylist or whatever. I just yeah. was not even thinking Your about. Background. Yeah, because I've never done that before. I've never been on TV, never crossed my mind that I would do that, just not, no. I like make the person in front of the camera look pretty. I can do that. Yeah. But I'm not the person in front of the camera. So, so anyway, not only with a five-week-year-old, but it's yeah. a massive stretch oh. professionally, personally. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. All of it was just so new and unknown and terrifying. And yeah, let alone having a five-week-old baby um, with everything else that goes with that. Yeah. It's just like a mess. And I was like, no, I'm a bit chubby right now. I haven't left the house. I haven't worn makeup. boobs. Yeah, like, I'm like, like, I'm not like... ready to be yeah. in front of any camera or audition. Yeah. And so, so anyway, did you do it? well, they, they were like, no, no, just come in. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Just And I knew the guys and they were really nice and awesome. And I was like, okay, all right, thinking, there's no way. So I put my lipstick on just one day that we'd organised to go in, had to go into the MTV headquarters, which is like the coolest place in the whole world. Yeah. I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> I'm not cool. Um, so I went to the headquarters and um, did this audition. It was literally just me and the two guys, like the producer and the cameraman, and they got me to style the cameraman. <laughs> so he came out from behind the camera and I was like, oh, well, I can do this, like this is what I do for my job. So I just sort of went ahead and said what I did and, th- you know, thought and kind of restyled him, whatever, and maybe I did something else, maybe I had to say something to the camera. And at the end of it all, I was like, oh, so who else is auditioning for this, you know, I just trying to gauge. And then they're like, oh, I've got a model, we've got some bloggers. And I was like, well, it was really nice to see you yeah, guys. Right, yeah. um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Have a great day. And I'll see you on the next, you know, shoot that we yeah. do down the line. Um, anyways, I so I was just like, oh, no, what? There's a model. There's no way I'm getting this job. Anyway, they called me a week later and like, you've got the job. MTV thought you were great done. What did you think? Well, I was like, I thought it was a joke at first. I was like, surely. I just couldn't (laughs) believe it. Yeah. Yeah, But, um, but they were like, you know, they just liked how normal you were and how natural it was. And then I thought, well, I guess that is my job. So I just did my job on camera. I sort of forgot that there was a camera there because I was doing my job and what I would normally do. So then I thought, okay, if I've got this job and that's what they like, then I'm just going to go with that because I don't have anything else. I can only be myself. That's it. That's all I've got. Um, and if that doesn't work out, then that doesn't work out and I just, you know, I will fail. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's what I did. And we had the best time. We had. I had an absolute ball making that show. We went all around Australia. Hudson came with me and my mum. She went on the road with us and we brought Hudson around and um, we did the show and got to meet the most amazing, awesome, fun people to work with and to style. And we just laughed the whole time. And they, they kind of brought out a side to me. I didn't really know I had. And like, we were just it, it turned out to be hilarious. It was actually a hilarious show. And yeah. looking back, it's like it was just such a fun time of life. And and I suppose from there, I guess once you've done a TV show and it's MTV and there's kind of a bit of street cred, Same, yeah. yeah, then people kind of think you can do that. And so... So other things have come from there. Yeah. How, did you... 
you know, obviously it turned out really, really well. But again, that kind of self-doubt can kind of creep in. Did you ever think of knocking it back? Like, was there a part of you going, oh, no, I shouldn't oh, be doing yeah. this? And, yeah. and I guess how did you, how did you overcome that in order to be able to go, I'm just going to give this a go? Yeah, good question. Um, definitely. I had all of the doubts. I had obviously the doubts of never having been on TV before, mm. that I wasn't going to be good at it, that I wasn't, people weren't going to like me, that I was going to screw it up. I was going to, um, did I have to learn lines? I'm terrible at remembering things. Yeah. Um, what if I get the styling wrong and then people think I'm a bad style? Like, all of the thoughts. Yeah. And then, of course, I've got a new baby. How am I going to take care of him? How am I going to take care of my family? How is mm. that going to work? Who, like, do I leave him at home? Do I bring him with me? What do I do with him? Like, do I bring him on set? Like, all, all, yeah. of, all of those things. Yeah. Um, Did you ever have anyone else ask you those? Because sometimes we can make the decision, but it's other people's kind of pressures. Um, you know what? In. I actually... The first person I talked to was Guy, my yeah. husband, and I said, this just happened. Um, that was MTV and they, they want me to do this thing. And he was like, go for it, babe. Just yeah. go for it. You'll be great. And I was like, I just wasn't expecting that. Re- I'm Not that I was expecting him to, you know, put Say, his foot no, down. No, don't. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. he could have, you know, like yeah. he could have said, oh, are you sure about that? You know, yeah. like we've you just had a baby, can can you handle it or whatever, that probably would have deterred me a little bit more if he reacted mm. in that way, but he didn't. He was like, yeah, do it, just we'll do it, it would be great. Yeah. yeah. So that that made me feel if he thought that I could do it and that's his baby as well, mm. then that sort of... And then I called his manager because I, I didn't have any people, you know, till I was like, um, MTV. Can't borrow your people. <laughs> I, and he's yeah. like, what? And I was like, yeah. He goes, what do you mean? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, he's like, so you're going to style the, the styles? I was like, no, I am the style. I'm on the camera. He's like, what? <laughs> he was so confused. We're all so confused. <laughs> anyway, so then he was like, great, that's awesome. You know, what Yeah, awesome. So, it, it was a good positive kind of reaction yep. and I guess that um, looking back now that I'm, you know, reflecting I suppose, I I suppose I am surrounded by those sorts of people like really can do people yep. and we'll just figure it out and we'll make it work exactly what we said. We'll just, we'll just make it work, you know. If it's not too crazy, not too far out of our sphere, um, we'll just... We'll make it work and it'll be great and, you know, we'll fumble so our way through. It's so important having those, those yeah. people behind yeah. you. Yeah. I still have all the same people, the same manager, the same, like, yeah. he's, yeah, he's still in my corner and, yeah, it's, I think that's really important. So I guess all of those positive kind of reactions, I suppose, um, made me think differently about, oh, maybe I could actually. And if if MTV believe in me and the production team believes in me and my husband's okay with it and now I have a manager, yeah. um, maybe I can, maybe no, I I can say do no. this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And then once I did it, um, I had such a great time that my confidence grew, I suppose, after that. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I, think, I think it was just baby steps for me to kind of, overcoming my own brain and yeah. probably a little bit of 
insanity and imbalance of hormones at the time. <laughs> Shall we take on the world? I've got the most amazing kid yeah. ever born. Oh, yeah, you'll sleep through Let's everything. Yeah. <laughs> amazing. And sometimes that's that's totally fine and we probably all need an injection of yeah. that every now and then. Yes. So you're married to Guy Sebastian. Yes. I feel who, like I've talked about him yeah, the whole time. It's very hard to avoid. And you guys have you fell in love very young. Yeah, Is that right? we did. Yeah, yeah for a while. And so Guy Adelaide. was the 2003, so the first Australian Idol mm-hmm. winner. And when I read this today, I went, 2003 feels like a long time I know, ago. It really is. I know. <laughs> what was that experience like for you? That was crazy. It was so crazy because um, from Adelaide, you know, we're like, we're small town people. We don't know about this whole like, you know, fancy pants life that people live. <laughs> Um, celebrities and all of that. It's just not, it just was not our upbringing or anywhere near anything that we have ever, had ever experienced at the time. So, um, yeah, when the commercials came, actually, the first time we ever heard of Idol, I think it was Pop Idol before it came to Australia in the UK, and we were in church, of course, because we were always in church. Um, one of the pastors came and he was talking about um, Gareth Gates, who was one of the pop idol. I think he came second. Okay. Um, and Gareth Gates went to his church and he was he was like from the pulpit kind of talking about Gareth and pop idol and what a phenomenon it was. And we we're like, cool, that's, you know, that sounds awesome. Yeah. That was the first time we'd ever heard of anything like it. Okay, and then a we sermon said, in church. Right. <laughs> I know. All the good Some, things. Somehow wormed, it, wormed <laughs> its way in. Um, so that was the first we heard of it. And then um, we saw the commercials for Australian Idol coming yeah. to to Australia or whatever. Um, and then the auditions went up and everyone was like, God, you have to audition. You have to do this. Um, he was like, oh, I don't know, because he's so like, He's very low-key guy. Right, he's very, yeah. very low-key. Just, just do not, my thing. Yeah. yeah, and he's super humble and just probably didn't, you know, think of himself in that way, but everyone was like, you have to go. Um, so we went, did it, and then won the thing. <laughs> um, so from, you know, auditioning to winning, I mean, it was a matter of probably six months, I suppose, all up, but... I remember the first time that we kind of realised that life maybe was a little bit different was we went to the Royal Adelaide show, right. which is kind of like the Easter show yeah, here. Yeah. Um, and so we went in. This guy, he, I think he'd he'd auditioned um, and I, I guess he knew he was through to the top 12 or whatever, but Australia didn't know. They were just playing the auditions on TV at that time. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of kind of space between filming and live shows. So he was just kind of living his life waiting for live shows to go ahead, but had already done the audition and knew he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, he was back in Adelaide and we just kind of went, um, I think the night before Australian Idol had aired and and he'd auditioned um, or gotten through, it was kind of near the end. And they'd played his song that he sang at the end of like the credits rolling. So he got a little bit of extra airtime, I suppose. Um, and he had that, you know, crazy big, big hair. Afro. Big afro. Yeah. So he's quite, and he's quite a distinct looking human. So yeah. he he's quite recognisable, I guess. Um, so that had kind of happened. And then we went to the show and we walked in and we got through the gates and about five metres in and that was it. We couldn't go any further because 
so many people had recognised him and were coming up to say hi or get a photo or just, you know, say they'd saw him or that he did a great job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, we're, like, we were just, like, with our friends just trying to just go to the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trying to buy a show bag. Um, we literally had to turn around and, and leave because we, he, he couldn't go anywhere. And I was like, all right then, so people know who you are. How did you get your head around that for you personally? Yeah, it was weird. It was yeah. so weird because I'd known him for so long since I was 14 and he was just gone. And, and to our, you know, our friends just like, you know, yeah, this is sound yeah. yeah. Um, and so that was, I guess, the first experience that I kind of knew that this, okay, something is happening here and people know who he is. Um, and then from then on, once the live shows and he came to Sydney and um, it was just, I think because it was the first show of its kind um, and um, guy, the Guy and Shannon thing just blew up. It just it just became kind of like this thing that everyone was everyone talking about. You were on either on Team Guy or Team yeah, Shannon. It was everyone very was. divided. Yeah. It was very passionate. I was completely on Team Guy, of Yes. <laughs> you go, girl. Me too. Yeah. You. <laughs> and when I, when I knew that it was a big, the biggest deal of all time is when they had Go the Fro stickers at McDonald's. Wow. I was like, dude, you've actually made it. Like... There are stickers at McDonald's like, of your face. Yeah. This is ridiculous. This is 13 years ago. So this is probably pre-viral videos, Just right? It's the first viral. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this? Okay. Um, so I sort of say, you know, there's like normal life in Adelaide yeah. doing our thing. And then there was that time of life where huge adjustments to, okay, so, you know, a lot of people will know who guy is and getting used to that and and me being back in Adelaide and him being here it's all like everyone would just talk to me about that what song is he doing this week and you know how's he feeling and did he have a fight with who and what's Dico really like and like (laughs) constant constant questions yeah Yeah, everyone because they lived in the house together so there's always like you know stuff going on and everyone was so fascinated with it and and because he kept getting further and further um, it was just like all anyone could ever talk to me about. So I was just constantly talking about Guy and whatever else. Um, so there was that time of life and then it was over and then there was a new normal, I suppose. Right. So I call this the new normal because yeah. it was like normal life, Adelaide, the crazy, adjusting, weird wall moment and then the new normal because yeah. it is a new normal. It's like this isn't. This isn't the normal that we used to, you know, like... It's evolved. Got, it's different. It's evolved, yeah. yeah. And now he has a new job and a new career and it's a public... It's on a public forum, so people have a lot to say about a lot of things yeah. and constantly being watched and photographed and interrupted and, um, you know... And every, all of that is new to learn, isn't it? Yeah. Like how do you do media? How do you... What are the things you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to yeah. say, how it's going to be misconstrued or, mm-hmm. or seen? And, yeah, and um, taking criticism for your work, you know, like you put... The, you know, God put an album out and have to kind of cop the good with the bad and yeah. have to, you know, find his way through and, and then, you know, just because I'm attached to him, then people have an, have an opinion on that and, you know, it's like it is definitely when you're not really, 
you know, none of us were kind of edging for that in any way. None of us were like, we want to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> and that's our dream to, you know, be in the spotlight. And like, no, mm. none of us were. And then to just be suddenly in it, it's like, we just have to kind of figure it out. But yeah. I think for us, and and if I can speak for him, um, he honestly is the same person as he has always been. And I think I've taken a lot of lead from him in that way because, like I said, I don't know how to be anyone else. I, I can only be myself. I literally don't know how to be someone else. So, And he's the same way. So, of course, you know, you, you grow up and you get older and wiser and you have more life experience and that, you know, makes you become a, not a different person but a more evolved and experienced person yeah. um, and you learn your lessons and, you know, you kind of toughen up a bit. So all of that would be, you know, we've grown in that way. But as the core of us, I feel like we're the same people Those that we have Those two 14-year-olds in Adelaide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah still seriously. <laughs> so you yeah, crazy period, the new norm. You've come to Sydney, um, married, two kids. Mm-hmm. You're kind of styling and, and other work has kind of launched as well and re redesigning life in this new kind of crazy space. Yes. Have there been times where you've personally been kind of overwhelmed by the busyness of what's been going on around you? Absolutely. Definitely. I think more so once I had kids as well, because that just is a whole nother dimension mm. that um, you have to kind of, there's like two humans that you have to take care of and, you know, you're you're the mother. You're the mother. You have to you're the one that's taking care of them and, and leading them through life and that's such an important job and an important role. Um, what are your signs of being overwhelmed? Like how do you know that for yourself? Um, like a rash comes up my neck. Right, that's a pretty <laughs> obvious sign. Yeah, right. A physical reaction yeah. to the situation. I get like, you know, a red chest and yeah. I, like that's when I know this is serious, I'm stressed out. Yeah. Um, no, I think for me um, I st- it's like I've had too many coffees. That, like, And I don't really drink coffee but that's how it feels like yeah. my brain kind of I can't switch it off and it goes a million miles an hour and I have four million thoughts in an, in a minute and then I forget what I was doing and I forget, you know, to, I close the door and the keys are inside and, you know, just too many, too many thoughts, too many things. Yeah. Um, kind of, I, get, I don't know if that's anxiety or, you know, I don't know if that's just the buzzword that everyone's... Yeah. yeah, but just that whole kind of too many thoughts... Um, running through life and just not having a, like, always feeling that there's never enough time, just never enough time. You get through the day and you're like, well, I don't even know if I've done anything today. Yeah. Um, and then you think, oh, okay, good. And I have to put the kids to bed and then I have to do three hours of work just to catch up on the, everything I didn't do today. Like the, those, I, I did that for a very, very long time. I feel like I just was sprinting, sprinting through yeah. life, trying to get everything done and still feeling like I hadn't gotten anything done. What do you think was driving that? Good question. Um, I think 
Hmm, that's a really good question. <laughs> like, I guess my, like, is it, you know, personal expectations around what needs to get done? Is it expectations of others? Is it, um, yeah, aspiration? Yeah. Like, is yeah. it, you know, there are, you know, there's an achievement you want to get to. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it's just the work's got to get done. So, I have to do it. Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, all of those things mm-hmm. and to um, not, not wanting to fail because, you know, sometimes that's inevitable and you always have setbacks and you always have failures and not everything turns out how you hoped and planned it would. And I, you know, I understand that not everything can be perfect all the time, Um, nor should it be because what's the fun in that? (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, exactly that, like um, wanting to do my best and wanting to do everything well. And that is really hard when you have a lot of things that you're doing. And yeah. two, when you're a mother and you're working and you have and you're a wife as well. Yeah. And you're a daughter and you've got friends and all of the things. Something's sucking along the way. Something, <laughs> something, is go- something yeah. has to give. Something yeah. definitely has to give. Yeah. And we we're just chatting earlier. Mm. <clears throat> it's easy to be running the race and going as hard as you can and then forget about yourself and then you get to the end of the day and you've literally done nothing for yourself in two years Um, and the effects of that are really kind of terrible actually. Um, And I think this year um, is the first, at the beginning of the year in January, um, we have this amazing nanny who helps us with the kids because Guy travels so much for his work. Um, I work, but, you know, I don't work. I don't, I, you know, my priority is my is my kids and yeah. so I kind of filter my whole life around that and my career around the kids and their hours and where they're at and all of the rest of it. But we don't have family here in Sydney and... It just kind of, well, I was two and a half years into having kids and I was like, I can't, I just can't. You need help. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's a brilliant decision to yeah. get to. Yeah. And two, like company, like rich, yep. not only is she amazing at what she does and she takes care of those kids like they are her own and I couldn't praise her more. But just too, like, guy is away. Like, I'm, you know, alone a lot. But yeah. just having company at the end of the night or, you know, yeah. just like debriefing on the day yeah. or whatever it is, it's like it's really nice to have somebody to just chill with. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes it's just someone to pop one of the kids into the bath while yeah. you just go and blow your nose. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just little things that yeah. get done. Or not have to use the bathroom while the kids yeah, are in the bath. Yes, all of those things. Gold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's been one of the that changes this year. That has changed. Well, that, that, she came to us two years ago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But at the beginning of this year, she, um, she took the, the boys for a sleepover. Um, with her mum at her mum's house. Um, and so I had the whole day and a whole night and the whole day the next day. Guy was away and I was all alone, <laughs> which was such a weird feeling because I want to say in like four years that has ne- I've never yeah. been alone in my own house. So to have a whole two days and a night to myself, it was summer. I went down to the beach. I swam in the ocean, which I haven't done in four years either because, mm. you know, kids. Um, and it was just, it was like I was reborn. I know that sounds so deep and kind no. of spiritual, but yeah, I felt like I went into the ocean and I came out 
a new person yeah. because it was just good for my soul to just have a second to just stop and have a thought in my mind and for it not to be interrupted or to run into 400 other thoughts or and it was holidays. I didn't have anywhere to be. It was like this really calming kind of two days for me to just think thoughts. And you know, I think it's so, it's, it is powerful. And yeah. I know it sounds like, yeah, yeah, it just sounds like something spiritual. But the reality is people, and I see in my role, people just exhausted who have been through the life you've just described, just running from here to there and feeling like they're losing sight of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, well, how do I stop the busyness? How do I get out of that? And I think they think there'll be an aha, an aha spiritual kind of response. And the response is have a night away. Yeah. Like dive into the ocean, mm-hmm. <laughs> go and have a bath and shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. It's really that practical stuff mm-hmm. that re-energises us that's so powerful. Yeah, it really is. And I'm a full convert. Like probably before that I would have just thought, mm, yeah. Okay. Who's got time Whatever. for that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who's got time? I don't have time yeah. to swim in the ocean. What do you mean? Like I don't, yeah. I actually don't have five minutes to do that. Yeah. And um, even on those two days, like I want to dive into that a bit. Is Was that hard right at the start? It was. It's it's hard to to not be in chaos. Yeah. <laughs> it's really unusual. It's normal, yeah. I'm so used to having, you know, somebody needing something or, you know, fulfilling a request or having to answer an email, phone call, you know, kids yelling, screaming, negotiating, um, playing with them, you know, like this, I mean, it's the same for everyone. It's it's constant. It actually never ends. Even when they're in bed, you're like, okay, well, I've got to clean up the kitchen. I've got to do this. I've got to get, get ready for the next day. I've got to answer a few more emails. What am I going to wear tomorrow? What am I doing tomorrow? I've got to check the calendar. Like, yeah. and then like, then, you know, catch up on The Bachelor and then you're asleep. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, yeah, yeah it, it's constant. It actually, and then yeah. you still don't sleep because your kids wake up in the night. Yeah. You're like, I just want to be alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think in that, that two days set me up for the rest of the year. And that's another profound kind of statement that yeah. I feel kind of weird saying, but it honestly did because I, I reassessed what I was doing and why I was doing it. And I gave myself a bit of a streamline to work within. I sort of wrote things down. I read, a few, you know, read, you know, bits of, you know, kind of inspirational books. And I just sort of gave myself a minute to just exhale and just be with myself for a second. And I wrote some things down. And as I started writing things down, I was like, okay, what am I doing? Like, you know, I've got got this, you know, styling thing and we've got our foundation that we're working on and um, we've got tea with jewels, this other thing that, you know, it's like there was so many kind of things I was doing and I was like, okay, how can I simplify this? How can I, how can I get, like, order it in my mind, put it into, you know, kind of compartments in my brain so that I can feel a bit calmer? And so I just chose three things that I was going to concentrate on for the year three, I mean, three major things, but still three things that I was going to kind of streamline myself and throw myself into. And that was that. And so, of course, like I said, my family always comes first and and that's how I kind of work out how I'm going to prioritise my career and 
what I'm going to say yes to, what I'm going to say no to, because if it doesn't work in the schedule of all of, you know, the kids stuff, then it's just not going to work for me because I know I'm going to feel anxious and I'm going to, you know, spiral into yeah. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to do that. So I chose three. Um, so family aside, of course, so the three things in my life and career. And then I thought, okay, I can do this. I can concentrate on these three things. I can throw myself into it. I figured out how I could do that, wrote it all down. And that was it. It made it so clear to me because if it doesn't fit into those three things, whatever email it is, whatever request it is, whatever engagement, you know, social activity, whatever, if it doesn't fit into that, then I'm not doing it wow. because it doesn't fit into yeah. it. And these are things that are like broad, you know, so it's like it covers a lot of things. I can still do a lot of fun things and and not, I'm not missing out on the things that I really want to do, but I'm, I'm kind of saying no to the things that are added on extras that take up more time and aren't serving anyone really. Um, so that's kind of that sort of really changed my whole outlook and my whole perspective on, and it gave me more of a purpose and more of a mission um, to be able to concentrate on that. And then I can, then I just found that I could do those things well and saying no became easier because it was clearer. And then um, I found this year, and I keep saying this because I'm like, I feel like I'm doing less work but doing more. It's weird. Okay. So it's like I feel like I'm, I've lost the, the stress and the anxiety and that whole running as fast as I can through a day mm-hmm. and feeling like I don't have enough time to do everything. That feeling has gone from me. It's magic. Weird. It's magic and it's weird and it's like... And now I'm stressing out about yeah. that. <laughs> you no. might come back, what have I, what have I forgotten? Yeah. What have... <laughs> why aren't I stressing? I can't even stress about why yeah. I'm not stressing. Um that's so powerful. So coming back to the why, having those three things, but I love where you say that helps you to give the clarity on what to say no to and saying no becomes easier Yes, because there's a purpose yeah. behind it. Are yeah. you happy to share what your three are? Yeah. Um, well, Tea with Jules, which yeah. is um, my online YouTube series. Yeah. It's a little bit like what we're doing right now, but it's on camera. Yeah. Um, so talking Which with... Which you've been doing that for about the last 12 weeks, 12 yeah. months or so. I want to say it's longer. Maybe. Might be longer. Maybe it's two years. Yeah. Maybe. Ooh, I have to Maybe check do. that. <laughs> no. Where did that couple year go? Years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's just sitting down with kind of in, inspiring people, people that I really love and respect yeah. and find their stories fascinating because I love people's stories. I love yeah. how... How are you successful? How did you do that? How? What are the steps and what's been your path and um, have you figured out exactly what we've just done today? Yeah. Not saying that I'm an inspiration. <laughs> you're totally, but... <laughs> you're totally. It's just the conversations. It's, it's the conversation. realness of it. It's yeah. really powerful. Yeah, yeah, and I've loved it. And so we sort of threw, threw ourselves into that and, um, you know, sort of set some goals. Like we wanted a sponsor and we wanted to, you know, um, have it as a fortnightly thing that we release. So in the, on that day, on those two days that those are all the things that I wrote down that I wanted to do and have achieved this year because it was clear it was just like bullet points okay what do we need to do to do this what do what you know how can we how can we get a sponsor how can we do it fortnightly who do we need it what editors you know like all of those things so 
So, yeah, if people are going, how do I get, get my head around what I want to do? Create some space. Yes. So that you can listen to that yeah. inner voice yeah. and because get your pen and paper out. Yeah. Because your to do list is, if it's in your brain, it's very jumbled. Yeah. I feel like even today, I was like, okay, I just need to write down because I'm feeling like I could feel myself kind of getting like the anxiety was rising and I was like, okay, I'm just going to write it down, the all the thoughts that are coming to me. Yeah. Um, and then once they're out, I was like, okay, it's not so bad. It's actually not that big. And then I could sit at my computer and look at my list and tick it off and yeah. do it. And so I know that, you know, maybe I didn't get it all done, but at least it's not flying around in my brain and getting all jumbled up and then that leads to another thought and then that stresses me out and then and then I don't do the... Th- I end up doing nothing because... Yeah, that's right. I'm like, we're worried about oh, it. Yeah, get Write in the it middle. down, yeah. anchor it in. Yeah. 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 So that's really So TV Jules. TV Jules. Um, the Sebastian Foundation, yeah. which is... So tell um, me a bit about that. Yeah, so um, it's a foundation that Guy and I started about three years ago now Um we started it because, well, when we started to have our own family, we realised how incredibly blessed we are um, as people and, you know, that we can give our kids really a great life and realise that not everyone was the same and um, there are families that, that are struggling and whether that's, you know, sick kids or, you know, not, not being able to give your kids a home or whatever whatever the situation is, um, we... We just wanted to help. We just wanted to do something to give back to the community, to other people's lives, because we feel like we've been so blessed. Um, so that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And then this year, um, I focus also families, but um, domestic violence with women. So we've done um, quite a bit of work with some of the shelters across Sydney, which has been so great and just so eye opening. I know that it's a major, major issue, um, not only in New South Wales, but across Australia. And it's a terrible, awful issue. And yeah, it's huge. It's and it's a crisis that we've got to be talking yeah, about yeah. and getting out there. So yeah, that's, I, I bet, a really yeah powerful area to be stepping into. It is. And, and I mean, I've been able to go into some of the shelters and girl shelters and women's shelters and, and talk to the women, <clears throat> excuse me, the women and the girls um, and hear their stories and how the shelters actually do help them get back on track. And so we, we were able to go in and do some renovating to, to, to the, the girl shelter. We gave them a new kitchen. Um, Freedom Kitchens donated this amazing kitchen and we gave their lounge room and their dining room a facelift. So brand new everything, you know, paint on the walls and brand new couch and dining table and, um, and just... I mean, when they saw it, they were just all in tears. I was in tears. It was like, it was, it was so beautiful. emotional. It was yeah. so beautiful. And just to see what it meant to them. And the fact when they come, these are girls, these are like teenagers, you know, right. 14 to 17 years old. They are, when I was 14 years old, I was not experiencing anything like this. So I can't even imagine yeah. what it's like to be fending for yourself and literally not having anywhere to go because yeah. you can't go home because it's too violent or it's too terrible to live in. Um, so these shelters take these girls in, but when they come, they're still scared. They're nervous. They're afraid. They have to meet with other girls. They have to be taken care of. There's, there's so many, you know, scary things about that in itself. And then it's temporary. So where do they go from there? All of that. And so 
we thought if we can provide them a home that's beautiful and feels like home and they're not coming to a scary place with a grimy couch and they can, you know, have a beautiful place to eat and to store their food and to be together, um, then you know, that's, it's a small thing, but it, it actually isn't. It's, yeah. it's everything. Yeah. And the feedback we've had has just been amazing that the girls' behaviour has changed. Yeah. They're like coming home to do their homework from school because they're really excited to come home and to be in a beautiful environment. And so that affects their schooling and their grades and just, it affects so much. And I guess for me, being the woman of the of the team, of the the foundation, I feel passionately about women. I feel passionately about mothers because if you're a mother, you are the backbone of the family and the mum can affect the family, good or bad. Um, So for me, you know, I want to focus on the women and the girls and because we are a small foundation, you know, we can only do so much, but what we're doing, we want to affect a lot of people. So we feel like we've We've done that and we're going to continue to do that. And, um, yeah, I'm super pumped and excited and, I mean, the need is so great. Um, but I guess you can we, – we can only do what we can do, do when we're – Yeah, the way, and yeah. So that recentering excited. at the start of the year was coming back to that purpose around yes. the foundation and yep. the impact you want to have mm-hmm. and the growth that you want to have. That's yep. really exciting. Yeah, and the that was foundation. like cogs turning for women and – the shelters and then I brought that to the board and they're like, great, let's do it. So all from that, you know, from those two days of just being has kind of sparked all of this change in in people's lives. Amazing. Yeah. Really cool. And so what's your third thing? My third thing is, well, my blog, um, which is my website, I suppose. Um, I, I was sort of like, a bit half-assed about it, if I'm being honest, Um, because I was a bit, like, lost. I didn't really know what I was... Am I a fashion blogger? Am I a lifestyle blogger? Am I a mummy blogger? I I was... Where do I fit? Just I'm not really sure who I am on the blog. So I sort of refocused that and sort of made it a bit of everything because that's who I am, really. I love fashion. Um, I love the mum stuff. Um, I love lifestyle. So I just thought well, that's who I am and that's what I love. So I'm just going to do that and that's the content I'm going to do. And I've always been really um, afraid of writing because I just don't think I'm, you know, I just never thought I could do that. I just never thought that I was a writer. But the more that I sort of, you know, kind of started doing it and, and tapping into that side of myself and thinking things through and, you know, all of these thoughts that I have about life and the other week I wrote um, a blog post about, um, stress and worry not being a medal of honour. Right. I was like, because we do that. Like we, we look at... Absolutely we do. People right? just go, how stressed are you? You think you're stressed. I'm really stressed. And we like pat ourselves on the back yeah. for how busy we are. Yeah. And like, we all know the, the person that walks in the room and is like highly strung because they've got, you know, 100 things going on and yeah you know, they think that they're superior or that makes them more popular or makes them a bit more special because I'm sorry, I'm so busy, I've got to go, you know. So I was like, you know what, it's actually not a Medal of Honour being stressed and busy. It's actually not good for us to feel that way. It affects so many things and 
Oh, and it's actually really okay when people say, what do you do on the weekend? You're absolutely nothing. And I'm really happy about it. <laughs> yes, my favourite thing. And actually, silently, people are probably really jealous <laughs> along know, the way. I know, I know. Yeah, awesome. So stepping into that lifestyle, yeah. stepping more into that writing and, and mm-hmm. bringing more of you by the sounds of yeah. it. So the evolution of who you are, mm-hmm. but really owning that, yeah. that purpose. Awesome. So what a year around saying no, coming back to that. And I love where you say you feel like you're as a lot going on, but not as busy. Yeah. And I think too, like it's defined what I do, I guess, a bit more. So, okay. So there's the foundation, there's the charitable side, there's the blog, there's like the content side, and then there's the tea with Jules, which is more of like, I guess, the TV side. So it sort of encapsulates all the things that I can do and I'm capable of and then throw in, you know, my styling jobs um, into that kind of mix, then it all sort of melds together. And just the most crazy things have come to me this year. Things I never would have imagined, you know, like emceeing events and, um, you know, being an ambassador for things and representing brands and that sort of thing where I guess last year I was a bit confused on, you know, what I was and what I was trying to say, but this year I feel like it's more concise and I understand what it is I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to do. So therefore people understand that a bit more. So yeah, I guess that's why it feels a bit more easy because yeah, it's very streamlined and it's very, I understand it now. It's aligned to who you are and where you want to be heading Mm -hmm. to. Yeah. And you've got a pretty exciting opportunity that you're about to step into. I do. Tell me a bit about that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, the X Factor is, is on air right now and we've just, um, found out about there's a fourth judge on the X Factor, um, and it's Mel B. Right. Spice Girl. And, um, yeah. So, and she's asked me to be her stylist for the show. Oh, exciting. I know. So it's pretty massive job because, um, it's a Spice Girl and, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and style-wise, that could go anywhere, Style-wise, right? yeah. No, it, it will. <laughs> she is awesome. She's yeah. so... I've worked with her once before and she's just... She knows what she wants and, yeah. it, like, she's all sparkles. She's all, like... And her body right now is unbelievable. She yeah. looks... She looks so amazing. Um, so I'm so excited. So it's going to be... There, playing encourage and yeah yeah it's gonna be fast and furious because you know live shows as well it's very kind of it's a different sort of pace I suppose yeah and there's a lot of outfits that filter through the week and the the live show so it's pretty hectic but I'm super excited yeah so fast forwarding um even three or six months into the future what are some strategies or things that you'll start to lay down now to help you to feel like you are now, where you're kind of on top of where things are at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think more of of the same strategy is is probably what I'm going to implement. I know that it's easier said than done sometimes. Like it's all well and good for me to sit here and go, you know, stress and busy is not a medal of honour and you've got to slow down and, you know. <laughs> yeah. But like, and then we get busy telling everyone that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just go, and, uh, am I so yeah. under the pump? And I understand that yeah. not everyone has the capabilities to be able to do that, you know. Like yeah. my job is very weird in terms of hours and, and structure and how it kind of unfolds. It's... It's not nine to five. It's not 
Monday to Friday. It's not weekend work. It, you know, it it's, well, I don't even know what the day is today. Do you know, like yeah. every day, there's no weekends. It's just all melds into one. But I understand that not everyone's life is like that. Yeah. And people have more of a structured structured life and they have to pick their kids up by a certain time and you know it's like they have to deliver on their deadline or whatever it is that they're doing for work and it's not it's it is much easier said than done but I think if we can I think it's about taking on less I think and that again is easier said than done but also just giving yourself a break like I've beat myself to a pulp in my life, just beating myself to a pulp, just feeling guilty, you know, when you're not with the kids, well, well I should be with the kids and if, that, if, the, if the kids aren't with me, they have to be with someone else and where, where are they, what are they doing and then you worry about that and then, you know, then while you're worrying about that, you're on a job and you're trying to give your best there but then you're falling apart because, you know, what if they get, you know, yeah, you just... Yeah. It's all running it, around. Yeah, it's yeah. just more about being, oh, and I'm going to sound like one of those people, but, <laughs> but being in the moment and yeah. just being present. And that has really honestly helped me yeah. um, so much and, and to stop my, just stop my brain from going forward or going down a path that it, that it shouldn't be because that whole guilt, that whole worry actually isn't real. It's actually just made up. I'm just making that up in my own mind that, you know, and I and I'm telling myself I have to feel it because in some weird twisted way it makes me feel better about myself if I'm beating myself to a pulp if I'm some sort of martyr for yeah. for my own you know life or whatever. Yeah. And it, but it's not real. It's just it's no one else is saying that to me. No one else is putting those thoughts in my head. It's just my own craziness and lies and just stuff that. Yeah that is just made up. And so if I can stop that from happening and just be in the moment and talk to you and not be thinking about whatever else or having to rush off somewhere, then I don't have to deal with all of that. And that that's where the anxiety no. and stress comes from. Yeah, it, it's really, really key. And then when you get to that moment, you get to be in that moment. Yeah, <laughs> and then you go When you're into with that, the kids exactly. and being really present to that. Yeah, yeah and I awesome. know that I've heard that a million zillion yeah. times before. I've, I've heard that so many times, but I think when you put it into practice and you actually do it, yeah. then life is so different, so different. Yeah. And it's still busy, of course. Of course, I've had the busiest day ever. Tomorrow's ridiculous. But it's like I'm I'm just, I've got a plan and this is it and I'm going to be doing the things I have to do and then I'm not going to get to the end of the day and beat myself up for not doing all of the things or, you know, if I yelled at Hudson for whatever it was, then, oh, well, you know, yep. he's all right. <laughs> he's, We're all okay. He's all and okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. not, not going to feel the guilt about it anymore. And coming back to that. Yeah. So coming full circle, the, the name of this podcast is called Standout Life Podcast. Mm-hmm. So if I were to offer that term up to you, what does it mean to live a standout life? That's a good question. I would say living a standout life is, and I probably just keep coming back to this because it's what I live by, is being yourself, being who you truly are, not putting on any airs, any graces for whoever it is that you're in the room with, um, not 
putting on a show, not putting on an act, just being who you are, I find that you always win every single time without fail. You always win because you're never having to think about anything else. You're never having to think about covering up whatever that is on... You know, it's just everything's out on the table and you're just being who you are and always, always giving your best, I think. That's all you can do. You can only be who you are and you can only ever do your very best and whether that means you have to learn more and study and be better and that's what you can do, then that's what you can do. But if you can't, then whatever it is in that day, you give your very best and you should be able to sleep at night knowing that there's nothing else to think about. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for being you. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for chatting. It's been lovely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been very insightful and I've thought about myself a lot. (laughs) Come back again. (laughs) Thanks, Jill. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. Standout is available in all good bookstores as of October 2016. You can grab a copy by heading to my website www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.